Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, we welcome a special guest, our friend, Reed Galen. Alex and I, he's co-founder of The Lincoln Project. Alex and I, if you all know, have joined The Lincoln Project with everything going on in the GOP right now. And yes, folks, it's gotten even crazier. We realized it would be a really good time to talk to Reed about where things stand in some of the states we've been working together in and what's next. Reed, um, welcome uh, again to the show and thanks for coming on. No, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. And Alex, always a pleasure. Uh, the question, I think we got to go to Texas first, man. I mean, <laughs> right. And I don't even, I mean, we got to start there, but where do you start in Texas? Uh, I obviously passed the uh, anti abortion bill. Uh, I mean, it's a complete, you know, basically a ban. Um, and, uh, and not only that, the Supreme Court now, as we know, as everybody knows, uh, as we're recording this, uh, denied an emergency request to block the law. Um, but it just goes to, to the, extreme levels that the GOP is going to uh, through right now. Yeah. So I mean, I went to high school and college in Texas, and that's where I got my start in politics, um, working for then Governor George W. Bush, uh, 1997, who at the time was focused on uh, immigration and education, right, as a first, soon yeah. to be second term governor. And what I think you're seeing now in the first eight months of 2021 is the sum total of what Republican governance means, which is uh, if you look back at COVID, if you look back at the mess they had from the, the, the frost or the, the deep freeze they had back in February and March, where it totally killed the power grid uh, because Texas isn't con connected to the rest of the country and it all went down. Uh, people died, people froze to death. Electricity, water, gas was out for weeks in some places. And now we've seen that the Texas legislature and Governor Greg Abbott are perfectly willing to do anything and everything they can to avoid upsetting their very Trumpy base uh, in primaries that will occur next March. They all live because they're gerrymandered, right, uh, in Texas. And Texas Republicans, going back to Tom DeLay, remember, do gerrymandering better than anybody. Um, they have now gerrymandered their district so far that they must stay to the extreme right wing of everything because there's always going to be somebody Trumpier and crazier in their districts. Greg Abbott is facing two nuts, Alan West, uh, who was kicked out of the army for mock executing an Iraqi prisoner. Remember that. Uh, and a guy named Don Huffines in his primary. So he is doing everything to ensure that no one can get to his right. These now have real live effects. And so with voting rights, they are going to make it incredibly difficult for communities of color, for veterans, for young people, for senior citizens to participate safely and fairly uh, because there's no we should not be under any you know illusion that we'll be through this pandemic in the next 18 months, that it's still going to be with us. And a lot because of people like Greg Abbott, and I know we'll talk about it, Ron DeSantis. So they've taken that stuff away. Now with this abortion law, what they have done is say, you know, any abortion after six weeks, uh, you know, is is banned. is banned. But here's here's the really creepy dystopian part of it, aside from just the the human rights aspect of it, which is any private citizen can bring action against a doctor who they believe um, has performed an abortion. 
So it's and, not just the doctor, but it's like the the Uber driver. If if the Uber right. driver takes her to the to the doctor, the Uber driver could be sued uh, and a ten thousand dollar bounty on their head as well. It's just amazing. Right. And so that money would go to the person who was bringing the suit. So you are basically going to have, and remember that these are the same people who wear Hawaiian shirts and carry AR-15s, right? Are going to be out probably in communities of color, lower income neighborhoods where there are Planned Parenthood clinics, if there are any left in Texas, basically sitting there waiting to see if anybody comes in. And they're going to, they're going to harass these people, right? They're going to demand to know what was going on in that room. And so it, it is so far beyond the pale of anything that I think we could imagine um, in this country vis-a-vis a legislative body that, you know, we all sort of stand their mouths agape. And this is what we always say, Joe, as you know, what we're seeing now is at its core, a failure of imagination, right? Yeah, at, at the Lincoln absolutely. Project, we like to say, take whatever you think the worst possible outcome is, multiply it by two, and that's probably where we are. Yeah, no, people just do. We still all lack an imagine, the imagination to know where this is all going. And, and you know, the amazing thing about this, a polling I've seen shows that uh, a majority of Texans oppose the law. But mm-hmm. you're right. It's a, a majority of the Republican Party, small majority, but a majority, just slightly over 50 percent, are pretty energized by this thing and want it. Uh, and that's where the legislature and the governor are taking it. So that he, you're right. He doesn't want to have a uh, he knows the fight is to this extreme. Right. He's he's moving over there. Uh, and damn, the people of Texas uh, and the women of Texas, you know, even when he knows the majority of them oppose this. Well, and, and let me say this, too. So, you know, earlier this summer um, in the Texas. So the Texas legislature is is weird because it only meets six months out of every two years, typically. Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick, the radio, talk radio host who now serves as lieutenant governor, which in Texas is the most powerful position in the state because he also controls the state Senate, um, called a special session because they couldn't get their anti-voting bill through the regular session. So they called a special session. The Texas Democrats, all in mass, at least Texas House Democrats, moved to Washington, D.C. in mass to prevent right. a quorum. And Texas has a rule that if you don't have a quorum, uh, you can't move legislation. Well, for some reason, and that was the right move, if they were if they were playing the game that we're currently facing, right? The problem is, is they came back. They came yeah. back. And as soon as they came back, this allowed all this stuff. Now, I, I can't speak to any individual legislators' motivations, but I can tell you this, is that if, if the f- tables had been turned you never would have seen those Republican legislators. You wouldn't have seen them for years, right? Until until like the the time they literally had to like file for election and come back to stand before voters. You never would have seen them again. They would have been like, we'll see you later. And you know what? They would have been put up in nice hotels. Their, their meals would have been paid for. They would have been feted by every conservative organ in the country. And they would have said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand on principle and we don't care what people think of us. And this is this is a big fear of mine is that when the when the time comes, exigent circumstances do not prompt our, our Democrat. Y'all are Democrats, but our Democratic friends yeah. to, to take, you know, to its heart. What I always say, Democrats play chess and Republicans eat the pieces. Right. And they do it time and again. This is not new. This is not a surprise to anybody. 
don't fight the battle you want to fight, fight the battle you're actually in. And with the same, you know, with the same uh, urgency, uh, it's something we've been all talking about uh, and, and something I hope more Democrats uh, start to heed. I mean, again, again uh, you know, that's why uh, one of the reasons, the big reason Alex and I joined with the Lincoln Project, because this has to be all of us. And so, you know, we reach out all the time on this show to try to talk to Democrats and if everybody, you know, get involved in the pro-democracy coalition, join the Lincoln Project. If not us, there are other groups, good groups out there. But this stuff, we got to fight it tooth and nail and not just, um, uh, you know, trying to we can't keep playing chess. We got to uh, uh, we got to be hard nosed about it and thump them right back. Right. So like there's got to be somewhere someone in Washington, right? Either in Speaker Pelosi's office or Leader Schumer's office, you know, should have been looking at this, right? This bill had to go through some sort of committee process, this abortion bill, right? And it, it, and look, remember, it's not an abortion bill, right? That's the, that's the, that's the sum total, but they did it in such a way that it skirted all these laws. Now, let's be clear. Neither Greg Abbott, nor Dan Patrick, nor any of the goons in the Republican legislature in Texas came up with this. None of them are smart enough to come up with something this dastardly. So there's some think tank somewhere, um, if it's the right to life movement or whatever, that came up with this, like that said, okay, we're going to be able to skirt all these legal hurdles and precedent hurdles this way. There should be somebody on Capitol Hill saying, there's got to be some anti-bounty legislation we could pass that would nullify this. Like, where the hell is it? Yeah, absolutely. There has to be. And, and it's got to be developed and, and passed. Uh, but the, the, the thing, Reed, the really, you know, I think important thing, too, is the Supreme Court just passing, just kicking it right back, not denying a stay, not putting a stay on it. You know, even Chief Justice Roberts uh, signed on with this dissenting opinion, called it out as um, unconstitutional, you know, uh, and, and the Supreme Court's going along with it. Um, the majority, I mean. Right. And this is this again, this goes back to just trying to as someone who grew up in Republican politics, you know, for, for your listeners, you know, there's really two things that that folks need to understand about Republicans. One or three things. One is that they're hierarchical. Right. They like a strong leader and they have a they they are willing to follow that strong leader and beat the drum for them, regardless of if it's good or otherwise. Secondly, the I don't even know if it's the conservative is the right word. But, you know, how did we get to a place where you had a five, four decision that refused to put a stay in? It didn't happen overnight. This started with the Federalist Society and everybody else 50 years ago saying we're going to build a judicial, conservative judicial majority, state, local, federal courts, because we know that a lot of the things that we believe in are not broadly popular. Okay. But if we have these jurists, right, then we will ultimately get them through the ranks because here's the other thing they understand is that we may not be a conservative country, but we are not a progressive country. Right. We are somewhere right. we, we bounce back and forth between a narrow band between center left and center right. Um, so they knew that they could lock in a lot of their policy and ideological stuff by having judges that agree with them. And that's what we saw. And and so and the last thing is Republicans are, you know, they're like the old Al Davis saying, just win, baby. That's all that matters. All that matters is winning. And if you got to win ugly, 
You win ugly. You know why? Because voters won't remember the last election. They won't. Um, and so I think that's what you're seeing these things now all after 30 or 40 years. All of these chickens are coming home to roost. So if the shoe were on the other foot here, we would be, I think, right now watching Republicans attempt to add to the Supreme Court. I, I, don't, I don't I don't really see sure. any any other way around it. So and this is for both of you guys. It, it, does this have to come up again? Do we have to figure out a way to get more? Pro, pro democracy. I don't know, call it progressive, but more judges on the Supreme Court to get rid of what what Trump at all have done in the last couple of years. I mean, you could. The issue is that you know you're going to do that. You know, I mean, look, conservatives care about the court, right? Because of the way I've just described it. Uh, the rest of the world don't tend to because they don't they don't. It's just not something that affects their daily lives. It is now, right? Especially for women yeah. in a state like Texas. Um, you could do that. The question is whether or not anybody, you know, in Washington has the resolve to do that. And it, it doesn't appear to me that they do. They have the resolve right now to end the filibuster. Are you kidding me? I mean, well, look, right. I think, yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I just think, look, this is, this has to come from all of us. And the best yeah. way to do that uh, is at the ballot box in 2022 yeah. uh, and 2024. I mean, there has, this has to be soundly defeated at the ballot box. And they're also doing everything they can there to brings up the voting rights thing. But I don't think, I, I mean, I don't think um, uh, kind of hoping that this will happen or that, uh, you know, Voting Rights Act will get passed. So we all got to keep pushing for it. But in the end, it's got to be a all holds, no holds barred uh, pro-democracy coalition across the spectrum uh, Republicans, former Republicans, independents, Democrats, all coming together in, in different groups, uh, each with their own role, yep. has to come together because it's the margin of, of defeat in 2022 that is going to matter, I think, that's um, going to push push this back. I mean, it's the only way to end then 2024, continue to slam the door shut and make sure that this authoritarian movement can't cannot um, regain the presidency. Uh, but uh, other than that, Alex, I mean, that's my answer on, you know, should the Supreme Court, it, you're totally right. The Republicans would be, I think, pushing, hard, if, if everything were reversed, they would be um, uh, moving to add uh, numbers to, to the court. I just don't see yet the the appetite in the Democratic leadership in Washington to, to, to when you look at what's going on with the filibuster and everything else. Right. It, I just don't see that as the way out. The way out is to defeat them. Uh, and that's the, I mean, the other thing is, look, they they are organizing at the poll worker level, uh, at their, you know, the Republican, you know, central committees and in, in these states, county committees and states have all been purged. And, and you have the fanatics uh, and MAGAs uh, taking over all those committees, at, with all with a design to impact uh, and put cement and, gr and grit in the gears of the election process, which they're also doing, passing the suppression laws. So it's going to be a, a. That's why it's. That's why I joined the Lincoln Project because we we got well, and that's fight this right, and that's that's one one more thing on the Texas voting law um, is that it gives you know near unfettered ability for election observers right to go uh -huh. in and basically cause trouble. 
Um, and in if election and if an election judge, right, the person who's running the polling place gets in their way, they could be criminal, criminally liable. Now, I don't know about y'all, but typically elections judges tend to be little old ladies. And so you get a bunch of guys and, you know, boogaloo boys and three percenters in their Hawaiian shirts and their kilts, you know, rolling in, causing trouble, intimidating people. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Which is why I've been on the phone with different veterans groups like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to need probably 100,000 former Marines and former riflemen, right, to say, you know what, like sign up to be an elections judge, right? Sign up to do your, you know, you've served. We're going to ask you to serve one more time because you know what? Although in Texas, a 78-year-old lady could be the toughest nut you've ever tried to crack. Um, my guess is, is that some of these goons who are all, you know, paper tigers to begin with are a lot less likely to make trouble if they see a six foot two, 240 pound former Marine standing there, you know, than, than if they see, you know, the a woman that resembles their grandmother. So it, before we move on and we got to move on in a second, it question that we're seeing on the line a lot is like, how do Democrats actually do something about this? How do they get the base excited? Because we're getting a lot right now of essentially the question comes down to why would we keep voting for Democrats when they have all the branches in Washington right now and the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Mm -hmm. Look, I, I mean, I get the same question. And the the answer is, so, you know, um, was it July when the when the one six committee first stood up and there was a, was it, I can't remember the, the officer's name, the African-American officer. And he's describing as these, you know, as the insurrectionists are, are charging up the steps and they're calling him inward, 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 it re reinforcing that so much of what we're seeing uh, amongst the Republican party is not just a nationalist, but a white ethno nationalist movement. I, if I were Chuck Schumer, I would have said, based on what I heard, I don't need to hear anymore. Right. We're going to drop the John Lewis Act tomorrow in the Senate. Everybody be here. If you vote for it, history will say you did the right thing. If you vote against it, history will judge you. But this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do right now because it's never been clearer that there is one party in this country that is dedicated to ensuring that communities of color can't participate. You know what? Now we're staring down the barrel of of Labor Day. Still don't have anything. Right. And so like Joe Manchin. Like, you're not, I mean, the, the rules of Washington are like, oh, Joe Manchin's the indispensable man. Make him prove it. Put the vote up, put the bill up and see what he does. And if he votes against it, we could say, Joe Manchin, when the time came, you voted against democracy. And you know what, Kristen Sinema, you voted against democracy and we'll know where we are. You know what, this, when you have power, you have to use it. Otherwise it will be, it, it's like, guys, it's like if you ran a campaign and you had $17 million left on uh, you know, in the account on the Wednesday after Election Day, people would be like, what the hell were you doing? Well, that's exactly what DeSantis and Abbott are doing. Right. They have power. They're using it uh, in, you know, completely insane ways. But they're using that that power, uh, which does get us to DeSantis. I mean, uh, and, and Reed, you talked about this at the beginning. These two guys are both running for president. And know we're same thing. They gotta they gotta keep doing um keeping the crazy fueled uh to have any shot and not have anybody uh move move to the to their right. Uh and so you know, DeSantis, I mean, in the middle of all of this, is how is he continuing 
to be able to pull this stuff off without being, you know, without any, it doesn't seem there's any repercussions for him. Well, which by the way, we saw that with Trump too. Well, yeah. So, you know, just as an aside, Mary Trump, uh, Donald's niece, uh, was a big, big help to us last year, the Lincoln project last year. And she said in her book, which is worth the read that, you know, Trump's move was all from the time he went to kindergarten was always to go in and do the most outrageous thing anybody could imagine. And you know what happens? Just like we're seeing with this abortion thing in Texas, people stand their mouths agape, not sure what to do. And by the time you sort of get your wits about you, it's too late. Um, DeSantis is doing the same thing, right? Which is no one can believe he's doing these things like believe it. I think what this also brings into a key point, which is the difference between uh, well, Abbott could have this, but DeSantis, especially because, you know, Florida doesn't have a state income tax, right? So all of their taxation is either property tax or sales tax. Tourism is the number one industry in the state, not surprisingly. So the things that he's doing now, like we saw yesterday, which is a $5,000 fine to any individual or business entity that requires vaccine, proof of vaccination. You, I mean, you think Disney is going to be okay with that? You think the cruise lines are going to be okay with that? Like the Walt Disney Company is not going to allow their parks to become, you know, daily super spreader events. Um, they're just not going to do it. And so, you know, they will go toe to toe with him. They, you know, as, as Rick Wilson, my partner in crime, likes to say, the, the mouse is the biggest power player in the state of Florida. At some point sooner or later, they're going to stand up. Now, I wish all of corporate America would stand up for something yeah. other than their bottom line. But if that's where we have to go to their heart, then that's what we'll do. I would also say that DeSantis is, is different in that his primary is not for about a year. So he's got a lot longer runway for someone to get in. I think the filing deadline in Florida is June. And if you talk to folks down there, whoever you did not expect to win a primary or a general election for like the last 15 years is who wins. And so I, I, my, I assert that DeSantis is far more worried about somebody getting in, somebody even more MAGA than him getting in you know, sometime in the next nine months where he's going to have to fight them off. Now I have a, I have Joe, just go with me here. I have now have a belief in human history, which is anybody or any group of people who goes out of their way to avoid what they believe is to be their worst possible outcome will eventually lead themselves to it. And so I think this applies to DeSantis too, which is his poll numbers will continue to decline as as people continue to get sick and people continue to die as there is an economic event or cascade that occurs from that right as people don't go back to work don't go back to their offices mm-hmm. restaurants have to shut down and everything else his numbers will continue to erode he will further go down this rabbit hole which means that someone who's crazier than he is will see an opportunity to get in and maybe he loses next august right um but all, he has to win this Right. He has to win his primary right. and he has to win his his reelection so that he can run for president 2024. All of that saying that Trump is still the pro- the nominee until he's not. Right. But that's what this is all about. It's it's really not more complicated than that. Um, and it's your point about power. He's using every last lever he has to scare the shit out of people. And when is Trump? I mean, do you see Trump starting to engage against the same? I mean, at some point, right, they, they're two objects that have to bounce into each other. Uh, I think it's already starting to happen a little bit, but how do you see that playing out? Well, I, I think what you'll see from us at the Lincoln Project is that we will start to engender that fight. Um, right. You know, um, so there's, you know, they both live in Florida. 
Trump is, you know, the the king of Mar-a-Lago. DeSantis was in New Jersey. It was last weekend or the weekend before in the midst of a hurricane and a pandemic raising money did not stop to kiss the ring at Bedminster. Right. That will not that will go. That will go very much noticed in Trump world. Um, When Trump did a rally down in Florida earlier this summer, DeSantis didn't appear. Now, he, he used the excuse of that building having collapsed to not go. But that was pretty thin, you know, pretty thin. Uh, thin sauce, right? That like, right. He, you know, I mean, that was a tragedy. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't prevent him from attending a rally with Trump. So we will go out, we will go out of our way in the coming days and, and weeks to ensure that Donald remembers uh, that Donald number two or Donald Jr., the real Donald Jr., you know, is is usurping him as a as the golden boy of the Republican Party. And remember, there was that story out a few weeks ago that said that um, that for all of Fox News's support of Donald Trump. Rupert Murdoch famously loathes the guy. Yeah. And he has already anointed DeSantis as the next That's leader clear. Yeah. Uh, of the Republican Party. Right. And so, you know, we we will do everything we can to to use our audience of one strategy and beam that stuff into Trump's head. But to your point, Joe, the trains are on the same track headed in opposite directions and a collision will occur sooner than later. I prefer it happens sooner. So... Uh, Reed, while we have you, got to ask you about the latest from the January 6th sure. commission. Uh, this was kind of the other thing that seems like it was aeons ago, but just a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. they subpoenaed a ton of everybody who was complicit in this thing's phone records. MTG, McCarthy, everybody. And the Republicans really came out swinging against, I mean, they like actually like in press conferences, threatening phone companies. I don't think I've ever seen no. that before. Um, yeah, they're scared and they should be because- you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, all like these people are true believers. They really believe in this stuff. Like, with, if you ask them, do you believe that someone who crashed the Capitol on January 6th is an insurrectionist or a political prisoner? They will tell you they're a political prisoner and they believe it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're all scared to death of this. Um, what I think it also indicates is first and foremost, you know, the, the ignorance of so many people, like we're going to shut you down. We're going to do this, but also understanding that corporate America has a very thin skin. Um, AT&T, you know, as, as we all know, look, I, I did work for AT&T years ago, you know, the biggest lobbying operation in all the States and in DC probably runs the U S chamber of commerce, right? They always have some issue before Congress and they don't want to they don't want to get on the wrong side of McCarthy in case he is speaker. But at the same time, you know, they can't they can't be threatened. And so or, or they shouldn't be threatened. But what I think you see is going back to March um, when a lot of corporate CEOs stood up in defense of voting rights, albeit briefly, people like Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, all these people started in on, you know, when we're in charge again, we will come for you. Uh, which just, I think, proves to you that like whatever last leg of corporate, you know, pro free markets, uh, you know, let the market decide rational self-interest is out the window for the Republican Party. It's all about power at this point. Um, And so, yeah, they're scared to death because Lauren Boebert said the speaker has been removed from the room, you know, or from the chamber. Well, who was she telling that to? Who was she talking to ahead of time? Um, because she probably thought, as I think a lot, as Stuart Stevens likes to say, a lot of these Republicans might have had some inkling of what was going to happen. They wanted to see how it was going to work out They went, before they came out and said anything. And so I think that, you know, the future is now as these guys are concerned. And, you know, I think that 
you know, Speaker Pelosi and the chair of the one six committee have used their power in this regard. And I think they should continue to use it. Um, and I think that corporate America needs to grow a set and say, you know what, we're we're Americans first and corporations second. Well, the other side of that is the thing I still think I think corporate America lacks the imagination of where this at all can all go to, as well as the press corps. Sure. Um, you know, don't, you know, don't get me started uh, on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no. But I'm just saying it's the, the same thing. It, it's remarkable to me that most of America woke up to hear about taxes for the first time on the abortion ban, like in the last day or two. In other words, there was really no, even on the cable channels, much coverage of the lead up to that. It was like it just happened. Um uh, you know, so. well, it's you know, it's it's like Joe. I mean, you you listen. You've spent more time in Iowa probably than I could ever imagine. But I spent enough time in Iowa. It's like every you know every four years when the National Press Corps traipses back to Grinnell and Atumwa and everybody else, every place else out there, and it's like they're conducting an anthropological study. Like right. this is a real Iowa. Yeah, this is how <laughs> this is how actual people in America live. Like they're at a zoo. Right. I mean, they have no capacity to understand anything that occurs outside of, I, you know, I-495. It's just an impossibility for them. That's no, true. I mean, I just think they really dropped the ball on, on this and a lot of things. But this one in particular uh, is kind of mind blowing that, the, that, that there's like literally no alarm bells going off, no coverage, no, no uh, uh, raising the issue. Well, but this is this is again where, you know, and, and you know, look, we've all been we've all been either worked for or been a part of organizations that when they cross over from being mission driven to existence driven, right? Yeah. A, yeah. a, a key component dies, um, which is that driving force to do things because now everything becomes sort of the first do no harm rule. And I think you're seeing a lot of that in a lot of the groups that, you know, made this their issue, which is the, again, none of this was a secret, Right. None of this was a secret as to what was going on down there. And yet, you know, the people who had the money, the wherewithal and the infrastructure to ring the alarm bells to get, you know, let's call it the liberal media, if that's what we want to call them anymore. I don't think they are particularly. Then they could have done it, but they didn't. And so I think, you know, it's just like, you know, putting your hands in your pockets and hoping for the best is rarely the right option. Yeah, well, I think we're out of time. Uh, But Reed, thanks for coming on and thanks for everybody for listening to that trippy show. Don't miss any updates from Reed and the Lincoln Project, the Lincoln Project podcast. Um, it's always a great show uh, and, and really recommend people listen to it. Uh, we've got some big things coming up uh, in September with the Lincoln Project. Uh, and Alex and I and Reed uh, be working with the entire team. We'll be back next Friday at the usual time. Check back soon for more special guest episodes. As always, please subscribe, leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. And and again, um, this is really an important time in our country. Um, You need to, I I hope you'll send links to this podcast uh, 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 along to friends, uh, urge them to listen, urge them to listen to the Lincoln Project and join us. Uh, We're trying to build a pro-democracy coalition uh, to take all this on. Um, And we need to grow that army out there and you can help do that. So you can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes and we'll see you next Friday.